Welcome back to Queen Beauty Podcast with your hosts, Quandris and Elise. <laughs> we've hopefully washed every dish, piece of clothes we've owned, or at least tucked them up underneath the closet somewhere in a nice okay. piece ball. <laughs> so today we are going to be discussing getting our homes in order. Yay! So a lot of us or people we know are interested in home ownership and already have home ownership. And we are talking about a real way so you can get your homes in order or just know the facts. If whether you're purchasing a home, already own a home and want to refinance, interested in that side of it, we have Liz Paris here today who is a loan officer and she's ready to discuss the topic. We're so excited to get our new year started learning more about the actual process of purchasing a home. Yes. So it's about to get real, like real, real. We're going to ask some good questions. The questions that you kind of want to ask and you Google and then you go down that rabbit hole of like death and then you're like, you know what? Forget this. I don't even want to do it anymore. (laughs) Yes, girl. (laughs) You know what I want to do? I kind of want to ask our listeners to have a personal moment with themselves and they can do what they want because it's an audio. <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. I want them to really sit. And if they don't own a home, I want them to think about if they're renting, mm-hmm. how much they pay a month. Mm-hmm. Go into their calculator <laughs> on their phone and just times what they pay a month by 12. Mm-hmm. And Girl, same. I'm in. I'm I'm in this boat. This is why I'm making these type of noises. <laughs> so <laughs> now let's just say we since you're, we're having these personal moments with ourselves because we're just listening to Queen Beauty podcast. And honestly, we're gonna get to the self care part because this is what we're about. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's just say you've been in your apartment for three years, and we've done some research and the national rent average as of January, 2020 was $1,463 a month. Um, And that's a national average. Everybody doesn't pay $1,400 a month for rent, but let's just say you want to do $1,463 times 12 months for a year. That's annually $17,556. And let's say you've been at your spot for three years because, you know, they haven't gone up on rent that much. So you, you're okay. Mm-hmm. They only went up maybe like $25.50. But let's say they said you had a good landlord who was like, we're not going up. In three years, that's $52,668. And in six years, that is $105,336. And when you put it like that, it's worth you going back to whatever google search you were on to try to see if this is something that you want to continue being in or if you want to look towards home ownership now we have to say that it is preferable for some people to rent and it's not any shade or diss or anything like that because at the end of the day sometimes you just don't want to do because when you own a home you have you are responsible for repairs you are responsible for um all of those different things that you would call the landlord your sink clock whatever whatever is going on you're you can just pick up the phone and give that call and some people prefer to do that 
Right. And or maybe some people live in a part of the country where it's not fourteen hundred a month, and they're not paying, you know, these these prices. And so it just depends. You got roommates, whatever. Depends on your situation, right? But if you are just straight up um, renting, and you're kind of back and forth about should you own, should you not, is it worth it, is it not? Then these numbers could be something that actually pushes you over the edge. So yeah, I think I am ready to do um, home ownership. And if that's you, then listen to this conversation. <laughs> right. <laughs> because home ownership can actually be a form of self-care. It's the mm-hmm. best in personal savings account and investment account that you could give yourself. Real estate matters in this game of wealth. And mm-hmm. when we talk about, you know, strategies for legacy building on uh the podcast that we did i was thinking about and Mm -hmm. he's talking about how to leave down leave down i mean that feeling like you have something to pass along your generation no matter who it is who get who receives it in your generation it's the family legacy that we want to start building and that is a form of real self-care so i I want everybody to win and unapologetically so so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that is why we are we have a professional here to get us right and just talk about how to get mortgage ready. And she's a wealth of knowledge. So without further ado, Quadra. Elizabeth Paris is a mortgage loan consultant currently working for LoanDepot.com LLC. She specializes in first-time home buyers and educating all buyers on their best options. While her time in the industry has been a short five years, she has assisted hundreds of borrowers to make better financial decisions in the home buying and refinancing process. Elizabeth's journeys into finance has been less than traditional. However, her dedication to education and helping better her community has been well established. With over 15 years in the mental health field and community medicine, she is no stranger to assessing complex situations to assist clients developing plans of actions. You can find Elizabeth on Instagram, Medicine to Mortgages, and on Facebook, Elizabeth Paris at Loan Depot. So now that we've had our Beautiful bio on beautiful Liz. I'm going to say one thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you good now? Oh, I'm Gucci. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm great. I'm phenomenal. Thank you. Oh, I'm great. Thank you, Cold guys. Switch. I love it. I have to do it. Welcome, Liz. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. And we're happy to have you. So, Liz, let's talk about your IG page because I yes, see ma'am. what you're doing. I see what you're doing. Let me see what you're doing. Small little upgrades coming. Um, let me tell you how the quickest way to know you're old is when you're trying to do new things on on social media. Oh, for real. And this whole (laughs) editing reels thing, it's like gotta get the lighting right. And so I'm I'm super grateful for like a network of of other like um folk and real estate and entrepreneurs who are just like, hey couple of tweaks that'll help hey person right. I'm, I'm super like thank you thank you thank you just you know awesome. give me as much as you can so mm-hmm. you know but i'm also i've also learned to just just pull the trigger just do it you know we will yes. sit we will overthink it for 15 20 years and it's like yep. get comfortable just do it if it's something's wrong you'll fix it but yep. get the information out and see how people respond to it and, and you know so far so good people really like the education because it's just like you mm-hmm. know you need it more than once and the home buying process is so overwhelming, especially as a first time home buyer. And honestly, as a second time home buyer, because I, I feel like there's yeah. so much space in between the two before mm-hmm. you really make that second purchase for most folk. 
they get overwhelmed and they're like, well, I didn't know that the first time. How did I not know that? Uh, ooh, walk me through it. What's changed? Right. Mm-hmm. That's Cause true. a lot has changed. Like you said, there's a lot of space in between and laws, rules, all types of programs that are available. That mm-hmm. makes sense when mm-hmm. you say it like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that's, evolving. That's a- it's just a consistent revolving door of the mortgage industry. A- absolutely. Especially when the economy takes shifts. Mm-hmm. Um, so what folk fail to realize is the market is completely different than what it was in 2019. Once we hit December 31st, 11.59 p.m., mm-hmm. and, and then you rolled right into January 1st, 12 a.m., 2020, that completely different conversation once you got to January 31st. So right. with those changes, it's it's required a different level of like upkeep and and adjusting and fluidity mm-hmm. and literally mm-hmm. we're still going through those changes now i mean just with one everyone's like the pandemic and i'm like yep just one little virus y'all has completely right. shifted the the, land, the lending landscape and the real estate landscape so i've really been stressing the clients the importance of getting yourself a solid team and that means with solid experience now that can range because you got to pick up on how how it, and like up to par and on it your real estate agents and your lender are but mm-hmm. really get a vibe, have a conversation, interview them. This is, this is the most important transaction you're going to make of your life next to getting married and having a child. Now that's so, interesting because you said, make sure you have yourself a good team. Now, who are these people? Who, who is the team when you think about, you know, purchasing a home, you said realtor, but who else is on the team? Gotcha. So when you were talking team, we're talking NBA all-star lineup, y'all. Okay. We need to have, you need to have a solid realtor um, mm-hmm. because they're going to be your resource in regards to home inspections, the title company, that's going to make sure your property doesn't have anything. The property you want to buy doesn't have anything that can keep you from purchasing it. Mm-hmm. Um, your housing counselor, which I do advise as a first time home buyer that you get linked up with a housing counseling agency because mm. they're going to put you in touch with resources that, and resources meaning programming for grants that maybe oh. your lender isn't aware of, which happens. And sometimes that may lead to changing lenders because your lender may not be participating in those programs. And then your loan officer or lender, the loan officer, hey, that's me. (laughs) Um, That is is your team. That's your team. And now it's not a large team, but Mm -hmm. it's not about size. It's about efficiency. Right, right, right. Um, And effectiveness. And so when you have a market that's fluctuating the way that the real estate market has been fluctuating over the last year, that's going to be incredibly important because that's the difference between you getting a good home that's been well negotiated and you have good financing on your side mm-hmm. and a home that can be a headache after closing. And mm. I can tell you right now, I've had deals where two thirds of the team wasn't complete. So right. something lacked and they go to settlement and all of a sudden now you got all these repairs that pop up, even though there was a home inspection done, particularly in this market because it's a seller's market and I'll explain mm-hmm. what it is in a second. Yeah. You sellers are greedy. Sorry. I don't want to, I don't, and I don't want to make <laughs> it sound like agents or not. You know what I mean? But just, just to be sellers are a little greedy right now. They, they have the pick of the litter. They can get as many offers, mm-hmm. as high as, many, yeah. as high offers as they want. And they can choose, they can choose what they want. Right. Because there's low inventory. So what that can lend itself to is if you don't have a, a, a solid, strong, let's say agent to negotiate on your behalf mm-hmm. and then you don't have a lender who at least knows enough of the, the layout of the market to work with your agent to give some guidance and to figure out the best scenario you can end up in a situation where 
you close in a house, you may have, um, you know, won the bid, but now you have all these housing issues and you're, it's a headache. And it's really disheartening for the buyer. You know what I mean? This is the dream. Right. right. And then now you got like a flooded basement because because mm. due diligence wasn't done. I've definitely that. heard of that happening. Like the that. first first month for, for well, for in the first three to six months, right? Something right after, like it's right after that grace period and all the like yeah. <laughs> warranties start to well, almost that's why that be gone. Home, well, the home warranty, the right home there. warranty is key. Don't ever yeah. leave it. It's not even for the first year. Just keep having it. Nope. <laughs> I'm, seriously, mm-hmm. seriously, it will cover you in ways that you don't know. Try to negotiate that into that. Again, this is not my hat. This is a realtor hat, but just I like to drop a little gem. I love see it. You, see if you can get that negotiated in along with your contract. So because Liz it helps. Yes, ma'am. I have some questions, Mama. I got answers as you can hey. tell. So we want to be prepared because on the self-care kickback, we are all about getting you right mm-hmm. from a mental health. And you made a crucial point where you said you want to have a solid team. And that made me think about what kind of questions should you be asking to ensure that you've done your due diligence as a first time home buyer to make sure you have a solid team on your, your NBA all-star lineup. What do you okay. think? Um, ask your lender how many times they've worked with first time home buyers. I know that seems like a weird question to ask, but yeah. it's important because you also want to find out where have they worked with those first time home buyers. Mm. You need to gauge if they're where they've worked, loan amounts they've worked with, that kind of mm-hmm. helps. Ask them how long they've been in the business. That's also really important because you want somebody who's adept in their in the market that they're working in yeah Uh, you also want to ask what programs they offer in regards to fha versus conventional Mm -hmm. uh, down payment assistance programs or grant programs those are number one questions i get all the time like what programs do you offer how long have you been doing this those are especially if there were a lender's being referred to you by the realtor. Typically, if you trust your realtor and your realtor is referring you to a lender, nine times out of ten, that lender is going to be solid. However, right. you still want to ask your own questions because right. you vibe well with them. Let's talk about that vibe a little bit because yeah. I know it's it's almost like you want to make sure you are you saying that you like you need to have this kind of a relationship where you trust them and how do you go? Is that like super crit- critical? Absolutely. And to be honest, it's going to do, it's going to depend on the experience of the buyer. Some of my mm-hmm. transactions, it's, we don't have the strongest relationship. It's kind of in, out, keep it moving. And that happens, but I would yeah. say about 85% of my um, transactions, I, I know my clients in and out and they know me. And I actually kind of force that relationship a little bit. I know that mm-hmm. sounds terrible, but I do because I need you to trust what I'm about to tell you in regards to your next financial steps. So I'm going to ask you questions. I'm going to keep mm-hmm. the conversation fluid and, and comfortable, but I'm going to ask you, and these are things you should also look out for. What's your budget? What are you comfortable with paying monthly? How much money do you have saved? Which well, should be asking you that. When's the last time you took a look at your credit? What are some challenges that are keeping you or, you know, if you're motivated to buy a house, what kept you from getting a house? What's, what's the pause? I already see why you need to be comfortable because you're asking real personal questions. It's real personal. You're getting up under their skin, girl. Those are actually good questions and I can see why you want to get up under someone's skin and be trusting and because the whole point is to get to the goal, right? And as a lender, you want to get to the goal just like the, you know, hopefully the person who's purchasing wants to get to the goal. So you have to really be able to help them. And in order to help them, you need answers to those questions. And it's interesting because, again, self-care, we're coming from a self-care standpoint. And we talked about doctors, relationship with doctors and stuff like that. 
and we, we might need to have another ding, in-depth ding, conversation ding, ding, if you're d- about them doctors, right? <laughs> We're going to do that. We should do that. But like, when you think about it, you, and, and we don't think about this a lot, but it is our choice who we discuss and who we choose as a professional to be on our team, like you said. And so if you're not feeling comfortable, you might not get the results you want. And, and I feel like a lot of us aren't getting the results we want because we just feel like we have to go with whoever answers the phone first. Ding. And so also be mindful with that. And, and yes, it's about you. I must be responsive. If I'm not responsive, I lose deals. It's part right. of the nature of the business. However, right. I've answered phone calls very quickly and clients are really not ready. So the, mm-hmm. the whole point right. of this, especially now, I'm going to go back to the fact that again, right now we're in a seller's market, which means there's low inventory or low amounts of houses to choose from. That's the case mm-hmm. across every market in every state. So if you are looking to purchase a home, it it is in your best interest to be ready. And if you're not ready, you need to be asking the right questions to get ready because at this point, mm. time truly is money. Mm-hmm. Right? You can lose out very quickly on a home that you love because you're not properly prepped and prepared. So when I'm asking all these questions, I'm asking for everything but a pint of blood and your firstborn child's um, social security. <laughs> but I have to because right. missing information Literally, there's nothing worse than a missed detail. It complicates a deal and a deal can be lost. And I'm glad you brought that up, actually, about just making sure that you're ready for that mortgage, because that's one of like our top questions. Okay, if you could just walk us through, tell us about the mortgage readiness process. Give us the Liz version of mortgage readiness 101. <laughs> okay. Um, so typically when I ask these questions, what's your budget? When's the last time you looked at your credit? How much money do you have saved? Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to want to, if, if those three things are in alignment, because I'm looking to hear, all right, last time I looked at my credit was in the last 30 to 45 days, because I know mm-hmm. you're serious, whether it's through like a credit monitoring app or right. what is it? Credit wise through one of your credit card companies or your bank gives you your FICO. Right. I know that you're serious because you're monitoring your credit and you're looking to see what your score is. Then I'm asking, what's your budget? That also tells me you have sat down and looked at your finances, at least on your own. <laughs> and you figured out what will be comfortable for you to, to live off of by buying a house and then still, you know, do your daily. Mm-hmm. Then three, um, how much money you have saved? Because while grant money is available in certain places, the availability, meaning how quickly you can get to it, if you, if you even qualify, mm-hmm. that can depend. So you have to have your own money in the deal. So when I talk to you and you call me say, hey, I was looking to get a pre-approval. I'm asking, okay, well, when'd you look at credit? What's the budget? Like what's comfortable for you? Right. So, and then we'll talk about what makes sense for the marketplace. How much money do you have saved? If those three things sound like you are about your business and I'm going to go into further detail and ask you questions about, I need your pay stubs. Where do you work? How much do you make monthly? Because as a lender, I'm looking at gross. Not mm. net. I'm looking at before taxes. Mm. And I need a, I need one month of your ba- of your pay stubs. Then I'm gonna ask for two months of bank statements. Cause I, if you told me you got money in the bank, I need to see what you got. I got yeah. money in the bank. Don't know what you <laughs> <expect>. <laughs> I don't know the words. <laughs> Shorty, what you drink? But anyway, um, <laughs> ho- hopefully it's water. You know what I'm saying? Stay hydrated. In the time of in the time of COVID, stay hydrated. Everybody, stay hydrated. Then I'm going to want to see uh, two years of W-2s to make sure you have two years of working history at the same job because we want to see two years of consistent working history. 
Okay. Mm -hmm. And then if there's additional assets or money you have saved somewhere, like in a 401k, a Roth IRA, I want to see the most recent statement for that because that helps strengthen your application when I'm trying to do something called a pre-approval. Now, mm -hmm. I ask for all of that to issue a pre-approval and I'm also going to pull your credit of course because I have to in order to look at your credit score to make sure that's also in alignment if you tell me what was it, 800 okay mm, let's put your money where your mouth is I gotta pull you <laughs> right um, that's why you need to be ready and that's why I think you need to be ready because ain't nobody gonna be giving me no inquiries without me being ready without right. being ready right then and there you don't want right. no and unsolicited hard inquiries, right. not right. ready. Don't so, even waste it. <laughs> no. So whenever a lender or someone who can provide you a line of credit or some yeah. type of um, financial and, you know, money, give you money or lend you money, we're going to do a hard pull. Right. Now, when you're looking at a house, you have 30 days to shop before excessive pulls become more inquiries. Meaning within that 30 day range, I always tell folk, if you got to shop, talk to three lenders. That's it. Mm -hmm. Cut it off after that. Because there's not much else anyone anyone can tell you after like that third lender. If they're not giving yeah. you something magical, you got 30 days, <laughs> three lenders. The rule of threes here, okay? We're mm -hmm. looking at three FICO scores. We're looking at the middle of the three. Mm -hmm. You got 30 days and you only can talk to three lenders. Okay? Okay. Ooh, three, 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 three. Three, okay. three, three. All right. <laughs> hey, that, sound, that sounds like a new reel, by oh. the way. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> So again, so all of this is for me to issue a pre-approval and I'm asking for all that documentation because a pre-approval is going to be a stronger document to present to a seller when you want to place an offer on a house. Mm -hmm. So I'm a pause. I'm a backtrack because I said mm -hmm. a whole lot. Yeah. My job for the pre-approval or getting you ready. If you're not ready when I ask those three questions about budget, what's mm -hmm. your, have you looked at your credit score? How much you mm -hmm. have saved? We're then going to talk about how to get you ready. Hey. That's something I do. I Not every that. lender does that. I believe in doing it because the reality is this is new information. My parents didn't know a whole lot. And honestly, I'm still educating them, even though they've been homeowners for quite some time, mm -hmm. just in the refinance process. So again, if you're not ready with those three questions about budget, credit, savings, we're going to talk about how to get you ready. We're going to talk about what's on credit, what can affect it, why, game plan. I'll talk to you within 30 to 90 days, depending on what the issue is. If you are ready because mm -hmm. you went and talked to a housing counselor and they did a soft pull on your credit, huh? that's, that's, that's a little Nugget. there. Nugget. Okay? They did a soft pull on your credit so they can see everything without putting the hard inquiry. Then the benefit there is they should have worked with you if there were issues before coming to talk to me or another lender. Okay. okay. Well, Liz, what's the most popular housing agency company? Um, it depends on the state. You're going to go to www.hud.gov. Got it. All right. Cool. And that should give you, you can look it up by state. That's there awesome. I never even heard of that. So I never knew that before. Never heard you. of it. Gotcha. Listen, HUD, HUD.gov can actually, Google will give you a lot of things. Mm -hmm. HUD.gov will also show you a lot of things as well. So um, these mm -hmm. are great resources to at least get you in touch with a housing counseling agency. Right. That's nearby. And again, they can do soft pulls on credit to help you get ready for the home buying process. They usually do uh, most grants or down payment assistance programs mm -hmm. require housing counseling. So that's where you're going to go to get your housing counseling done. 
I love it. And I love that you, you know, coming from your medical background, which I'd like you to talk a little bit about and how you talk about being in the mental health field Mm -hmm. and how that's transitioned into mortgages. Um, What was your journey like in that? And then how do you think that that has helped you with your clients? I will say this first and foremost, that bachelor's degree in psychology. Oh, perfect. It's perfect. Perfect (laughs) for what I do in sales. So my Instagram page is medicine to mortgages. And that to me has kind of just been, that was the best way to describe my career transition from, you know, I was in school, going to become a physician, want to be a psychiatrist, want to have a little clinic, you know, mm-hmm. help people basically be able to properly adjust to whatever's happening in life and, you know, go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, that did not work out, unfortunately, because my own mental health took a very serious hit while going through the process and resources are important. So for anybody mm-hmm. listening, is becoming a physician mm-hmm. uh, i'm praying for you find the resources make sure you go to a medical school that's going to provide you those resources because that's incredibly important especially as a minority that's my small little snippet there got you uh, but yeah working in the community working in mental health i've worked in outpatient psych inpatient psych and it's really all about assessing problems give me mm-hmm. the symptoms mm-hmm. let's work out a plan or a treatment plan to help you start building back to your baseline or feeling a little bit more like yourself Right. That's essentially what mental health is. And that's really what medicine is. Whether you're dealing with cholesterol, blood pressure, you know, you're assessing the symptoms. Let's figure out the treatment plan to effectively get things back into a a range of normal. So transitioning that into mortgages, one, there's a million things to know about the the mortgage industry and finance industry. Things change often. And Mm -hmm. so when when I say when the environment changes, that means the symptoms change, right? So we're in a seller's market. That's a different, that's an environment change, right? Mm-hmm, Which right. changes how you have to approach getting pre-approved and getting looking for a home. When there's a pandemic that affects the economy, again, environment change, symptoms have changed. So mm. now there are different requirements needed by each lender that made me a little bit more strict than it was when you were in a regular economic situation. There wasn't a global pandemic happening. Right. There's plenty of inventory. So it's a different approach to accomplishing the same goal. All of it to me is just like mm-hmm. very parallel and it has allowed me to just say, all right, take a moment. What do we have going on with this one buyer? How can we fix this? I all right. That. Are you ready? No, you're not ready. We need mm-hmm. to talk about why you're not ready. Here's what you, here's what needs to happen in order you to, for you to get ready. Here's who right. you need to talk to. Sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes it's a housing counselor. Sometimes it's getting you a credit repair specialist. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's putting you in touch with a CPA or a financial advisor so that you can figure out how to best utilize and move your funds Mm -hmm. sometimes it's finding the Mm -hmm. right realtor referral saying hey i think i know a realtor who can assist you if you are ready but person you know you got no personality so that's essentially how i've taken my my um medical training and my natural affinity for people and problem solving and kind of applied it to helping minorities and first-time home buyers get homes in an odd way is a seamless transition minus the part where I didn't want to leave medical school but you know <laughs> it's beautiful I think that is beautiful I love your it home. really is yeah. it's, a, it's a beautiful story and I and I like the way because it's really difficult sometimes to take skill sets from one com- one industry and then transfer them into a completely different Man. industry that is very tricky to do it is and you've done it successfully so kudos to you hey. shout out shout out to you <laughs> hey, thanks y'all i got a couple extra gray hairs in here somewhere <laughs> your health is important it can how you manage it can be a life or death situation 
the type of house you buy and how you go about managing your finances can be a life or death situation. There are far more parallels Mm -hmm. and connections between the two than people might understand. So yes, the details are a little different, but I promise you a bad financial transaction can raise your blood pressure just like a bad meal. Facts. No, All listen, you are not lying. <laughs> you just hit a dime right there. Like, that's so true. You oh my God. And it, like, they, good. I'm just going ahead. And you just saved me over $5,000 in listen. 2021. Hey. With yes. a refinance deal. Millie You're furious that God got from that whole deal. I mean, you need to go on ahead and quote the fact that you just said a bad meal can raise your pressure just like Ash. bad financial decisions because mm-hmm. it's just the truth. It is the absolute truth. Man. <laughs> Let, I, I plan on, I'm gonna, I got a whole lot of gems coming from tonight. Thanks, you guys. You know, listen, yeah, I'm here for you. You know, <laughs> one thing you said, one thing you mentioned that I know that a lot of people in the audience are probably interested in is credit. Because, and those are one of the threes, right? Is what is your credit like? When's the last time you looked at it? And I heard you say maybe it's linking them to credit companies. So let's just talk about credit just for a little bit. Okay. Um, from your perspective, from a lender, an actual lender perspective on what are you looking for? Recommendations to raise scores, companies that you can go to for help. So depending on the financing program, there's mm-hmm. several different options. There's FHA, there's the military loan by the VA, there's conventional, mm-hmm. um, there's USDA, which is the rural loan. These programs all have different score requirements. Every lender is going to have different minimum score requirements. So under FHA, the minimum score requirement is a 580. Now, Typically under FHA, 3.5% of the purchase price is your down payment. But mm-hmm. at a 580, you're a higher risk because your credit's lower. So you mm-hmm. may see the cost of doing a loan at that credit score to be more. For conventional, minimum score is a 620, at least where I work. It's a 620. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. across the board. But again, lower scores, higher risk, higher expense. So I tell folk, if you want to do a conventional loan, try to up yourself 680 and up. Get yourself close to that 700 range, especially now. Mm-hmm. This is rules right now for what's happening with this pandemic, okay? Um, VA is very similar, government loan. Minimum score for us is 580. Again, the name of the game, higher score, better terms. That's what I tell folk. But I always joke, <laughs> around, I always joke around with some folk and they're like, well, you know, it's so different. I was like, yes and no. Medicine absolutely is a business. Right. Somebody, somebody gonna curse me out about this, but whatever. Find me. Um, medicine is a business. So, like, and every all of my friends who mm-hmm. are practicing physicians, I talk to them. They're like, no, medicine really is a business. It's mm-hmm. it's it's a, a corporate structure. So our mortgages, it's a corporate structure. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah. Okay. I'm being recorded. that's real. Now, that's I real. actually have a question for you about mm-hmm. the pitfalls. So mm-hmm. you said you need two months of bank statements, and us mm-hmm. millennials love cash app. Cash app, cash app. Venmo, Venmo. Venmo. I'm about to say, what about Venmo? <laughs> well, we love all of it. We got the PayPal, we got the Zelle, we got Cash app. All right. Let we me got give all you, of it. What they let call me give it you money. the hierarchy. Let where me the give money the resides. Where the money resides, where the money resides. <laughs> um, the money should not be residing in your Cash app, though. Let me help you. <laughs> um, so I'm going to give the hierarchy of what's easiest to trace. When you were talking about pitfalls, Cash flow is really important. How you move money is very important. When we see a lot of cash transactions, my the one of the people on my team who says yes or no, the underwriter to your loan mm-hmm. is going to pay attention to how much money you got moving around. 
if there's a lot of cash transactions, it's a no-go because we can't track them. So right. if you have to have electronic money transfers occur, Zelle is at the top of the list of things that you can do because it's an FDIC insured program mm -hmm. utilized by the banks. That's why they like right. it so much, right? Right underneath that is Venmo. I'm sorry, question, sorry, correction. Right underneath that is PayPal. Okay. Mm -hmm. Next. Mm -hmm. And PayPal, because it's linked to your bank account, we see your full name and it's easy to trace. Next is going to be Venmo. At the very bottom of this list is Cash App. Here's why. Because <laughs> typically your name is not linked to your Cash App. It's usually money sign, uh, I get money 92. I don't <laughs> know who that is. Or, uh, or, or Pookie 923 right. or I spit hot fire, Dylan, Dylan. Listen, whatever, <laughs> whatever that is, is... Yeah. <laughs> that could actually yeah, be yeah, it right yeah. <laughs> that it's it's really hard to trace it because you it's especially people who are self-employed or i you know i do bundles whichever i'm saying this because i've seen it mm -hmm. i'm not saying anything mm -hmm. i haven't seen it's hard to trace and specifically when you're doing loans like fha because it's government insured they're mm -hmm. really particular so the best way to move is do what's easiest to trace zelle paypal venmo that's it. That's it. And and I will also say if you're going to get gifts from family to buy your home, which you can do, um, mm -hmm. it should not be a cash transaction. It needs to be a check or a direct wire or mm -hmm. Zelle, Venmo. <laughs> Venmo. <laughs> nothing, nothing else. Nothing so else. If you if you do get a gift from a family member, mm -hmm. right, and they want they want a gift, they want to bless your your uh, life, right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are they then going to be required to show their, like, where they got the money from? Yes. It happened to me. Yes, they are. Want to know why? Because sometimes folk will be like, all right, I got cash in the National Shoe Box of Nike or Mattress <laughs> Federal Credit Union, right? Just chilling in the house. You right. got something in the house. But I can't use it as a lender. If you drop it in your bank account, I can't use it because it's a large cash deposit. So sometimes folk will be like, oh, I'm going to give it to a family member. Don't do that. Because then they're going to deposit it and it's going to show a cash deposit. So if you get a gift, they have to give us one month bank statement and their one month bank statement has to show the money coming out or 30 day transaction history just to show that they had the funds available already before they give you the gift. That's it. So Liz, I got a bone so that my inner, my inner black girl mm -hmm. cultural self is coming out because I'm feeling Ooh. some systemic racism all up and through this process. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I'm just thinking because culturally, and I know you favor minority uh, home buyers, and just culturally, some don't like or trust the bank system. Mm -hmm. And especially, mm -hmm. you know, African American, I would say Latin American cultures mm -hmm. uh, don't trust the banking system. They want cash. They like to move with cash. They, they like want their money cash. in their hands. They want their money in or their hands. Or in that shoebox, like you said. Or in that shoebox. In, in, in the safe, wherever, you know. How do you trust that? How do you do? How do, what? what? I don't even, but we, we need houses. We need real estate right. Absolutely. And the standard. They set the standard to make sure. And I know that they have all these reasons and regulations, but sound like a little bit of a little shady, system, a little systemic. So I will, I will <laughs> say, I will say this. It's that's a rule across the board. Um, mm -hmm. Historically yeah. speaking there, are, you know, there are those who are a little bit more affluent who also deal in cash actually. Same rules apply, right. it's just, especially when you're self-employed. People get real, uh -huh. real loose Well, how they manage their finances. But I will just say this. If you are seriously considering buying a house, 
mm-hmm. and you deal in a lot of cash, but it, you're not like self-employed, like maybe a barber or nail tech or hair, uh, hairstylist, but you just like to keep cash, mm-hmm. you're going to have to get yourself together. There are certain set of rules that apply. So anytime I talk with clients who have a whole lot of clash, I'm just like, hey, you need to take that cash, deposit in the bank. I'll talk to you in 60 days, really 65 days. Right. That's it. There's no way around it. There's no way around those rules. They are federal. They are legal. You are not going to get a house. So you have to shift your mindset and practices mm. in order to buy the house. End of Got story. I All get of these it. convos lead back to a mind shift. They in really some do. way. <laughs> Man. Listen, um, I work with a lot of young professionals as well. We got student loans, y'all. Like that's a yeah. whole other conversation you know, within itself. So mm-hmm. in order to take on um, such a, a wonderful opportunity as buying a home, mm-hmm. you have to do a mind shift. It's like you're trying yeah. to lose or gain weight. Right. And yeah. if you want to do it healthily, you have to do a mind shift. So getting your finance in order is a mind shift. Can't this is do like, the tummy tea, huh? N- you can do you can do quick fixes <laughs> fixes if you want to, but <laughs> you, it's about maintaining it. That flat tummy right. tea might get you right for a couple weeks, but two months down the line, you might find yourself putting on more weight because you didn't put in the right right. habits and discipline. Right. Exactly. The when I'm asking those questions, when I'm getting all in your business, and I've had people curse me out for getting in their business. Mm -hmm. I was just like, You want to buy a house or not? Mm -hmm. I I need it. I got it. We got to get you ready. So, you know, you have a lot of cash. Yes, it it is. Listen, you got a lot of cash. You need to figure out how to get that cash to your bank account and let it hold. Because I know there are a lot of people who they get government assistance and they can't have certain balances in their bank account because they'll lose assistance. Mm -hmm. Then we got to. Do you want a house or you want to keep living where you live in? Right. Right. So let's get it done. But um, there are a lot of, there's a lot of history of racial prejudice, biases, and a lot of laws have been put in place to get rid of that, particularly right. with the CFPB with um, something called HMDA, which is another act that was put into place to make sure we're not discriminating against you. That's HMDA. Um, there's so many regulations, I won't bore you, but right. they're in place they're to in make place. sure. Yeah, that yeah. we are not being biased as a lender and that mm-hmm. we are offering you options and the opportunity to have access to a home mortgage. Now, for the love of all that is great in the world, please do not give your lender, hey, how you doing? That's me. Too much headache when I start digging into where the cash <laughs> needs to be, why you right. can't do something, mm-hmm. trying to put things together because the lender is the one who sees everything up front. If we can't put that into a nice, neat package for the people who have to look at it after me, right. you're not getting a house. Mm. So it behooves you to be honest, transparent, and highly responsive. For she the rest of the She just she told just us what it. it was. I mean, <laughs> clear she made, okay, it's very, very clear. <laughs> I appreciate this, Liz. This was um, definitely necessary in our reset mind shift. Uh, Queen Beauty has a theme in 2021 for each month. And for the month of January, it's reset. It's reset. Mm-hmm. Listen, there mm-hmm. isn't a better time. I say January is a good like pause month. You just got over the holidays. You're now yes. about to get your W-2s because you're going to file your taxes. Mm-hmm. Some people are looking for tax returns. And a lot of folk want to use those tax returns to put in the savings so they can buy a house. Maybe come June, July, if they're looking to buy this year. Mm-hmm. This is the perfect time to get organized. Like right. I... I I think I posted back in December, like, don't let your holiday spending derail your financial Mm -hmm. goals because you get so caught up in trying to keep the kids happy, 
especially with the pandemic everybody's like i'm depressed i need to do this and the third i'm like Time out. <laughs> if you plan on being a homeowner within the next year year and a half that starts down all right start so take the time to get organized make sure you know where your your pay stubs are make sure you know where to find them if they're digitally sent to you mm-hmm. make sure you know how to download your um bank statements mm-hmm. make sure you know where your tax returns are for the last two years especially if you're self-employed because i need to look at those right. as a lender um know where all your documents are i encourage everyone to get a safe box little fireproof box I you, have one. One. you can get one from Amazon <laughs> for literally like $60. I don't even you think really it's that can. much. I, I bought yeah. my mama one. It came with a key and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, start getting your documents together. Put them there. Make sure you have digital copies of things because, right. you know, stuff happens. You lose things. This just came to the top of my head. Again, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm jumping around. Yeah, if yeah. you have paid collections off because you're trying to boost your credit score because maybe there was a collection there, showed up, it's, it dropped mm-hmm. your credit score. Get the letter saying that it's been satisfied screenshot it take a picture of it scan it put it in a pdf put it in a file where you can find it back that bad boy up because what happens 90 percent of the time when you pay off a collection or a debt that you owe they close the account credit score goes up maybe it took you two three years maybe you bought a house then and maybe you want to refinance and buy a new house you know what happens they take those debts that you may have paid and they mm-hmm. sell them to a new company and then all of a sudden you see something pop back up on credit wow. saying you oh and you're like no i paid that that's 10 years old i don't owe that do you have documentation showing that you paid it mm. if that's a no and they gonna look at you with a blank face if sorry right and you end up having to repay it it's a hustle it's a very annoying hustle Mm -hmm. but i have so many stories where i had clients who had good documentation and let me tell you something some things got off we got it off their credit and they're able to buy a house wow and that and that that one piece of crap can be what stops you from getting a house right listen credit is so fragile and I really wish they gave out Nobel Peace Prizes for people who really like do a great job of credit repair because you are saving someone's financial future um, in regards to helping them get credit together. I do a little bit of suggestions. I'm not a credit repair specialist, but I look at credit enough to know this has to go, this has to go, this needs to be adjusted, this needs to happen. So that way you can save money Mm because most credit repair specialists, they cost. I'm I'm, sorry, can't tell you anything else. Mm -hmm. So free options are housing counselors I mentioned before, or talk to a lender who knows, who does what I call a credit checkup. I, I pull your credit. I'm running through that entire report with you. What's there? Why it's there? If anything mm-hmm. looks out of place, I'm going to tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's me. I can't speak for everyone else. But if your credit is five years or younger, it's more sensitive to fluctuations and changes. So if you only had credit for the last five, five and a half years, you have a lot of student loans, maybe one or two credit cards. Keeping that balance low on your credit cards is going to be so much more important to you than somebody who's been in the credit world for 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, collections popping up is also, that can that can drop your score by 15, 20 points, just the collections mm-hmm. yeah. um, when you have young credit. So I'm very big about fix the credit, review it go through it make adjustments do the hard work up front because you're gonna you're gonna enjoy the rewards later one other thing you just you just reminded me when you said debt to income and we were talking about student loans a little you know a few minutes ago when you said um well 
you didn't say it. We all know everybody got student loans, right? <laughs> Not everybody, but a good amount of people have student loans. Do lenders look at the entire student loan itself or do they look at the monthly payment when they're figuring out the debt to income ratio? So we're looking at the monthly payment when we're looking at debt to income ratio. Now, okay. if you're doing a government back loan or government insured loan like um, FHA, mm-hmm. they're going to take 1% of the balance. Oh, okay. And use the, the overall balance, not the monthly. Yep. Oh, 1% okay. of the overall balance. And that'll okay. be towards your debt to income. Here's where this okay. becomes a headache. If you are like me, where you at one point, we're going to be a doctor and you're not. And mm-hmm. you may owe something like two to three mortgages worth of student loan debt. Mm-hmm. They're going to take 1% of that balance. Doesn't matter what my uh, payment plan is. Something mm-hmm. like I'm on, a in- I'm on a repayment plan. FHA does not care. They're going to take okay. 1% of the balance. So here's where conventional comes in handy. Mm. Conventional will take whatever your payment plan is. So if you're on an income-based repayment plan and the payment plan and the payment is zero, they'll mm-hmm. take it as okay. zero, right? Mm-hmm. That's why you need to have the higher credit score for conventional. Right, right. Especially right. if you have student loan debt. Okay. Um, it behooves you to get your score up. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's a good nugget. Because a lot of people have those student loans and they're like, I'll just do the FHA with 3.5% down and it might be worth it for them. So, cause what do you, is it conventional usually 5%? Um, so conventional, there are conventional programs with 3% down. So here's oh. another thing. Hmm. So there are requirements for those programs. Usually mm-hmm. it's an income cap depending on where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, they're 3% programs for first time home buyers even repeat home buyers, actually. It's just all about what programs your lender has available. Mm-hmm. 5% usually comes into play when you're outside of that income requirement for that particular program. Okay. But the benefits overall, as I tell people, FHA is great because it's less money up front. Conventional mm-hmm. is great because it's less money in the long run. Right. Mm-hmm. So you gotta you gotta know what they makes for you. Mm-hmm. You gotta know what makes sense for you financially. If yeah. you are... If you don't have a super high credit score, like in mid mid 600s, but you want to buy, but you have solid income, FHA may make more sense. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it all just depends. It's and you truly can always change because I went from an FHA to a conventional. Yes. Mm. Yeah. You can always re- look yeah. to refinance within a year as long as it, ma- it has to make financial sense. I believe in things making financial yes. sense for all my clients. Base. You be hitting them on some drill. Talk to me. <laughs> Spell it out. You gotta hit them with the you truth. Like, Spell it out for me. Has to, has to make financial has sense. To make has, sense. To make, has to make life sense. Especially if you're a first time home buyer. People get real excited and then I gotta be really gentle about this delivery on. So here's what's gonna work. <laughs> well, That's where that have. psychology degree come in. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I'm like, so what do you know how to talk to people, man? What do you you think about what I'm saying to you based on what you told me your budget is, based on what you have saved? Right. Tell me how you feel about this, this, this particular scenario. And then let's talk it through. So do you have experience? Generational wealth and chills. That is amazing. Have you seen in the deal of mortgage, um, a parent include their child or loved one within maybe the financing or the deed at mm-hmm. closing and how? Um, so typically, I, for the most part, I've mostly seen it with just being on title and deed. Mm-hmm. And um, depending on the deal, you can write it on the purchase contract. 
if there are certain, again, certain financing options require that they be on the agreement of sale, even though they're not on the mortgage, if they're going to go on title and deed. That's typically what FHA um, conventional is a little bit more flexible. Okay. So you just talk with the title company. You just say how you want the title to be held and say tell that, that to me up front. It's as simple as adding their name to the um, to the uh, application in regards to title and deed. I will mm-hmm. say this though, title is going to do a search on whoever you put on title or deed. Okay. So if and that search is looking for any liens that you may owe, any um, municipality debts that you have, lawsuits, whatever. Title is basically doing like another thorough background check on how you've been handling yourself in the area that you live in. If there's back child support, so make sure be make sure to be mindful about if you're adding someone to title indeed that they're able to be go through a title search without any hiccups because that can keep okay. you from being able to close on a property. Oh, um, in regards to being added to the mortgage, I as a lender I'm going to have to pull credit for whoever you add to the mortgage. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to look at their income their money they have saved or assets and looking again at that debt to income ratio because there are requirements there because again mm-hmm. lower score more risk and higher just score. to be very very clear mm-hmm. higher score is 800 plus for the folks listening oh i can actually help you out there if you'd like is it higher let me <laughs> help you out thorough. what's the high credit score? The, the minute <laughs> i mean the highest i have seen was like a 890 <sighs> It's I beautiful. thought it went up to 850, girl. No, this is, <laughs> eight, this is a, it was a 890. Anyway, um, okay. it's beautiful. But um, <laughs> for folk who may be driving themselves crazy, you don't have to have a 700 credit score to get a mortgage. Mm-hmm. However, if you want a conventional mortgage, mm-hmm. because it allows you to take advantage of some incentives like 3% down, um, using that income-based repayment for your student loans, it would be in your best interest to get 680 and up even better 700 and higher and again that's the middle score of your three scores we look we pull all three we're looking at that middle score so that middle score needs to be that 680 and up right so just just to help out conscious because again i know people like i want an 800 breathe breathe Breathe. first of all yeah your house i mean being in a house and paying your mortgage on time for a year will pull your credit score up listen six months (laughs) in six months right really six months of on-time payments on a mortgage Mm -hmm. you will see yourself you'll be like wait is that my score (laughs) look like you look like you catching a fever like you about to die that's is that 800 oh wow like it's that's those are the benefits um oh i just had a, a thought can i what's can up I so we're talking about credit we're talking about building credit we're talking about things that affect credit here's what you are not supposed to do when you're trying to buy a house at least within a year <laughs> six months right. to a year do not buy woo, a car woo, woo, woo. we gonna call this tip of the day okay <laughs> tip of the day go when you are trying to buy a house six months to a year prior do not buy a car do not buy a car. Do not open up any credit cards. Matter of fact, don't touch your credit when you are trying to buy a house. Don't do anything until you close on that house, until you sign the papers, you go to settlement, get your keys, then you can do whatever you want. I would advise that you wait six months to get those payment history, boost your score, then go get the car. Mm-hmm. Then open up the credit card if you, if you must, but 
don't touch your credit prior to trying to buy a house. It will drop your credit. It will take you out of qualifying for what you want. So on that note, because I agree, um, I was even scared to pay off something because I didn't want it to hit. Mm. Can paying off something impact your credit negatively? So like maybe it closes, I don't know, would it close the account? How would it, how would it? Oh, oh, so you don't pay off your car either? Just don't do anything extra. Just don't let it ride. There it is. There it is. (laughs) Literally, I I literally have a whole presentation. I have a slide that says do's and don'ts. And it's Mm -hmm. very particularly depends on your certain situation. So I have to, it's, it's so important to ask questions and it's so important to be, again, be honest with your lender about what you plan on doing because it can change what you can and can't do. So the most important thing about paying things off is when people consolidate debts. Well, like, oh, I'm going to take my two credit cards, put them together because that'll, that'll you know, it'll help and I'll get rid of da 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 A lot of times you put two debts together, you increasing your debt because that, that payment, that monthly payment increases, which increases your debt to income, which can mm-hmm. disqualify you for a lending program. Um, another thing is people will close. I've had people close, like, oh, I closed my credit card like two months ago. Why did you do that? Mm-hmm. Close a credit card account. You've had a credit card for 15 years. That was a 15 year history of on time right. payments. Credit history is about 30% of your credit score calculation, especially if you've had it for a long time. So closing, mm-hmm. closing close account. Don't close accounts down like that. Just if it's open, just keep the balance low, 30% or lower and keep it moving. And I think though, sometimes people get mental health issues with that because they didn't max it out. It was stressful. They paid it off and they like, close it. I don't even want to touch it. I don't even want to do anything. Before I knew about uh, credit Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I didn't know that closing an account Mm-hmm. with damage yeah yeah I, mm-hmm. I, I closed three down in one day <laughs> I remember when you did it too you remember when I, did that? I was like and we I were think, in college yeah and I called her and she's like no 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 she said wait wait I'm Carter's like, just like it's already done it's already, already done, done. yo <laughs> my face my face when I was like what Listen, Why? you let me learn. I'm I'm so I'm happy it was years and years ago. Yeah, right. <laughs> I have friends right. and family's credit, but like right. I didn't know. And I thought it was better to just like not have it. No, I, I could have just cut the credit cards up, right? Could have just cut them up and right. threw them in the trash. No, I was like, no, I don't want it. Shut it down. She was like, <laughs> the lady didn't even say anything. She was like, okay. Gotcha. They don't think so, done. Gotcha. I'm, I'm actually gonna correct myself. So length of credit history is 15%. I had to cut okay. Let me, I just had to pull it up. Okay. Um, so payment history is 35%. So late payments do affect, they hit the heaviest. Mm-hmm. How much you owe, when I say keep your credit card limits 30% or lower, mm-hmm. is 30%. Yeah, see how that work? 30% mm-hmm. of your credit score. 15% is length of credit history, 10% is new credit inquiries, and then um, types of credit, whether it's revolving debt, installment loans, revolving debt or credit cards, that's another 10%. So I know this seems like small numbers, but remember length of credit, like length of how long you've had your credit, if it's young, all of those things hit in a major way. It does. Um, so yeah, even pay- if you messed up on the payment history, but if you had it open for 20 years or 10 years and you for seven years, you was good, that matters in the calculation. It does right. matter. Um, I definitely tell clients to give yourself about three to four months after a late payment. 
because you want your credit history to rebound a little bit from that hit. And I can definitely tell when somebody's had a late payment by how quickly and rapidly your credit drops. Um, just based on when they tell me something or I look mm-hmm. at the last credit report, it's like, ooh, okay, give me a couple months. We'll come back to this. Um, mm-hmm. Or start paying down some debt to balance it out. These Again, I'm not a credit re- repair specialist. I just yeah. know what I see when things are happening to credit scores. Um, mm-hmm. It's so important. I it's feel, right. so important. I feel if I was listening to this podcast that I'm getting my house. I'm ready. I'm prepared to get my house. <laughs> or at least I know my action items. I hope you so. have an action plan. Yeah. Right. I yeah. know my, I have my action plan and I know, and I'm writing it down and I'm circling things that we reiterated. <laughs> like, I feel like we reiterated credit. Talked about that. We spent some time on some, uh, where the money resides, cash app. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And can I just say, so, total side note, mm-hmm. but I had a whole moment when speaking about credit, uh, Credit Karma told me that my <laughs> oldest credit card length history was 16 years old. Dang. Not credit card, just the count from mm-hmm. student loans. I think it was student loans was my first debt, but... It said, welcome, you are now seasoned or something along those lines. <laughs> it was like, you are, you are experienced. It's like, called, congratulations. It was like, you a senior citizen. It was like, mailing for you. I don't want that. I don't want that. I would say 16 years though. Girl, just glide into that gracefully. There's nothing wrong with showing that you've had good credit history length. It's sure. nothing wrong with it. Just yeah, sure. make me feel glide good. That. It's the 16 <laughs> years of, of student loans for me, though. I know. Um, Let's say that again. I, I will say <laughs> one thing I didn't really touch on thoroughly, and I, I want to get into it bef- um, at least before we end this, is how much money you should have mm-hmm. in your bank account. Realistic. Yes especially during this time. Um, I did allude to your 401ks or IRAs. Mm-hmm. 401ks, you can absolutely utilize to purchase your first home. Mm-hmm. As long as there's enough, you have to look up the terms and conditions, talk with your benefits um, person at your mm-hmm. job. Now, it's always crazy to say this, but I'm, I've definitely been telling folk to up the number, try to have somewhere between eight to 10K saved. That can be between your savings and your retirement. Um, it's important to have it. Even if you get grant money and you're not going to use all of it, have it. It strengthens mm-hmm. your application. When it comes to your Roth or your, I, I'll say IRA, I don't say Roth, your oh. IRA, I know that they changed some rules where you can now use at minimum $10,000 of what you contributed to purchase a home. If you contributed more in cash, I think you actually may be able to take out more without mm-hmm. being penalized so that again that's something to people don't know that and it's for young professionals who have those accounts you've been working for a little while mm-hmm. it's a benefit but save your money it, it's a good habit to establish um have some discipline save the money i know several who have been saving in covid just because of lack of places to go so yeah i Fucking mean health. Just stuff in the house. Yeah. So if you're saving right now, I mean, just get the other things in order and you're good to go. Yeah. Listen, I, I looked at my savings and I was like, oh, this is nice. And I still got myself something cute to wear nowhere, but still. <laughs> um, 
No, COVID <laughs> was definitely, you know, for me and for quite a few of my clients, it was a blessing. I'm grateful, yeah. you know, it was an opportunity to retool and to put into refocus what your goals are. Um, mm-hmm. I'm definitely starting to see a, a huge interest in, again, wealth building through real estate, through investments. And um, it, it's, it's a great opportunity to get yourself, just again, get the mindset together so you can yep. put the habits in place so that you can see the benefits of um of your of your of your labor like you want to see yourself be able to own something to pass on to your kids that has value absolutely the the leveraging opportunities with the right purchase it's phenomenal like if you find the right home that eventually builds value or it gains value so you have more equity meaning you know the difference between what the house is worth and what you owe man that that's a game changer yeah that's an absolute game changer so you're able to do I just wanted to know if you could give any book recommendations mm. when it comes to, you know, anything like uh, home ownership, finance, budgeting, things like that, or even just one of your favorite books that as it relates to the topic today. That's a tough one. Um, Cause I'm still in the middle of reading some things. So I would say mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very big on self-help. So mm-hmm. uh, think yeah. and grow rich. Mm-hmm. Um, the magic of thinking big. And you're a badass at making money. Hmm. Wait, okay. Think and Grow Rich, The Magic of Thinking Big. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're a badass bad yeah. at money. And making money. Okay. That's good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I love that. You just pulled them off the dome. Mm-hmm. Tell, On that note. Tell me. <laughs> How can they find you? How can they find you? Hmm. You know what? You can absolutely find me on Instagram. Uh, again, medicine, the number two mortgages. You can find me there on Facebook. I have a Facebook page, um, Elizabeth Paris slash Loan Depot. Mm-hmm. Um, you can email me, E Paris, the letter E, my last name, Paris, P A R R I S, at loandepot.com. You can text me at my business cell phone before 7 p.m. 856-295-2442. Because after 7, I'm not answering. Boundaries. (laughs) Boundaries. Balance and boundaries, my words for the year. But um, just to do a consultation, I I don't have a problem doing that. If you have questions that are specific about bankruptcies, foreclosures, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe debt that you have, we'll run through it. We'll talk. And I'll okay. tell you what the best game plan is. And then I'll put you on my calendar to follow up later because I am going to follow up. You got a whole you got a whole mortgage kickback situation going on right now. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, thank you, Liz, for joining. We totally appreciated all your nuggets. This was a wealth of knowledge. It really was. I am here for it. All Thanks of it. Thanks for having yes. me. Listen, this is my jam. I'm all for the education at this point. Like, what you want to know? <laughs> <laughs> So this month, as a recap, we just want to capture reset, and that means just resetting ourselves to get ready and be ready for whatever goals we have in mind. Because when you ain't got to, when you stay ready, you never got to get ready. And, and that's the word. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So we had Elizabeth Paris give us all the home buying readiness because we know we with wealth and self-care and just trying to be mindful about your finances to give you that push of self-care getting ready is the piece of the puzzle that we need help with so this was awesome tip of the day part two 
Remember to be steadfast on your goals and flexible on your journey. Stay consistent and do a little bit every day. And finally, ask questions from reputable resources because, you know, you just want to make sure you have the information right. Don't get yourself talking to too many people where it actually starts to discourage you from your goals because possibly you have the wrong information. Talk to someone who is reputable. Mm-hmm. Facts. Talk to Liz. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> thank you everyone for joining and spending some time with your listening ears. Please check out our show notes for information, links, and references within this episode. Also, check out our website, www.queenbeautypodcast.com. And please send any comments or questions to queenbeautypodcast at gmail.com. Peace and love.